four major causes of stress and how really God wants to help us with those stressful situations, with those circumstances, with the things in our life that just weigh heavy on us. Uh, last week we looked at worry and scriptures we're digging into are centered around Psalm 23, which is called like the, the shepherd psalm. And it's a description of the relationship God wants to have with us in allegory. And it compares relationship God wants to have with us like a shepherd has with his sheep. Uh, we're going to dig in further to that this morning. Um, we're going to talk about busyness and really how God wants to help us in the midst of all that we have going on. Um, you ever just wondered, am I, am I too busy? Do I have too much going on? Have I said yes to too many things? Well, in a lighthearted fashion, we're going to look at a top ten list, the top ten signs that you may be too busy. Okay? Number ten, you cut through gas station parking lots to beat one car through an intersection. I've done that, but usually I don't beat the car. Number nine, when you're on vacation, you don't care about the location, but Wi-Fi accessibility. Got to be connected. Number eight, you recognize more people at stoplights than in your own neighborhood. Number seven, when you enter the house, your kids think you look vaguely familiar. Number six, you don't recognize your phone ringtone because you're always on the phone when someone calls. Number five, you've decided that swimming is an acceptable bath for your kids. Little play and work at the same time. Uh, number four, I don't have time to think of a number four. Get it? Because I'm too busy. Number three, you've had more meals in your car than your home this week. Number two, to relax, you only text, eat, and respond to emails at the same time. You cut out, you know, watching TV. Uh, and number one, when you try to relax, you find yourself very anxious. I just, I, I got to relax, I got to relax, and you're stressed out. Um, that's, that's lighthearted, but really busyness does really stress right at the core of who we are. Uh, we have so much going on, so much swirling around us and we get to the point where we just, we don't know how to cope. We don't know how to move forward. Well, we're going to look at how God really wants to help us in the midst that we have uh, going on. First point that you can see in your outline, you can follow along is we must learn to relax God's way. When you dig into scripture, you find that rest and relaxing from life and the craziness of life is actually a biblical concept. God did not make us to be going, 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 and then we die. That's not the way he designed human beings. Uh, Psalm 23, 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Last week we looked at the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this week we're going to look at the fact that what God does in the midst of the turmoil of life he takes us to green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Again, for us to understand this, we have to kind of understand what's happening in the relationship between a shepherd and the sheep. Basically, what this means is a sheep is not smart enough to really know where to go to rest or to eat. So when it talks about green pastures, it really is translated like tender grass. The shepherd is looking for tender grass. It's not only good to lie in, but it's good for the sheep to eat. So God basically takes this animal, that, or a shepherd takes this animal that has no idea of how to survive, and the shepherd leads them so they can rest and they can eat. And that's the same thing that God wants to do. We're in the midst of all that's going on. We feel like we don't have enough time in the day. We don't know what we're going to get done, how we're going to get it done. And what God does is at the time when we hit the wall, he takes us and he 
He takes us to a place where we can get a break. Not just to lie down, but also to be blessed. And that's like the shepherd does. He takes the sheep not only to rest, but to be blessed, to have actually food to eat. The second part of that says he leads me beside quiet waters. The idea here is if a shepherd was to lead the sheep to water that's moving really quickly and it's roaring, the sheep will be too terrified. You see, a sheep gets freaked out about everything. You know, it's funny because when you look in scriptures, we're compared to sheep the most. And they're really not smart. But they also freak out about everything that happens. They don't really sleep that well. They hear noises. They don't know what to do. And what you see is, you know, that's kind of how we are. All these things hit us in life and we freak out. We don't know what to do. And so what God is doing is he's painting the picture through David, who was a shepherd. And he's saying that in the midst of what's going on in your life, just like a shepherd takes the sheep to safety, provides them with a place to rest, a place to eat, he also takes you to the waters. He also provides refreshment. The waters are calm where you can actually relax. That's, that's part of what God wants to do. Now, it's an interesting thing when you look at time. This is funny to me. Everywhere in the world, no matter where you are or who you are, you have the same amount of time as everyone else. You ever thought about that? It seems like some people get a lot done and some people don't get anything done. They have more time in the day. Well, they don't. We don't have more time than anyone else. We have the same amount of time. So what we find is there's a certain way that we need to look at our schedule, what we do, how we do it, when we do it. And we need God's help with that because a lot of times we don't know how to balance balance our life. Um, some things happen to us that, that usually are a tell sign that we probably need to take a step back from all that we have going on. You may have found yourself saying something like this. I need a vacation. The worst is when you go on vacation, you come back and you need a vacation from the vacation. How's your vacation? It's good. I need another one. Uh, or I need to quit my job. I just, I, I can't, I can't do it. I just got to, I got to get away. Um, I need to throw my cell phone away. I just want, didn't have a cell, everything would be fine. Um, I need to break from people. I need to find a room, lock the door, and I only have the key. That might be a telltale sign you need a break. I need to sleep in, I need a maid, I need a gardener, I need a nanny. I need someone who can come into my life and help me. And this is what happens. We, we kind of run into the scenarios of, well, if I had this, I could, I could deal with it. But what we find is God has given us exactly what we need to prioritize and get through what we need to get through in our responsibilities. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's way to relax. Uh, we're going to go through an acrostic. First thing is uh, realize that, that God wants me to rest. I alluded this to earlier, but rest is actually a biblical concept. Now, some of us be like, yes, that doesn't mean couch potato. What it means is taking a step back from the turmoil. So the first thing is real like God wants me to rest. Psalm 127.2 says, It is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, fearing you will starve to death, for God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. The, the idea here is uh, the fearing you will starve to death. What we don't want to do with our time and with our schedule and what we deem important is to allow fear to drive what we do. That happens in a lot of different ways. We may fear people. We may fear a boss and decide, well, I, I just have to be a workaholic for my boss to be happy. Uh, we may fear failure. We may fear that we're not going to have enough to provide. And what fear does is it, it makes us make choices with our time. 
And anytime fear causes us to make certain choices about our time, what we find is we usually hit a wall. We burn out. And this scripture is saying it's senseless for you to be so driven by fear that you're going to starve to death, that you're not going to be able to make it. Basically, the psalmist is saying that's not the way God made you. You need to stop that. That's what the psalmist is saying. Genesis 2, 2 through 3, this is an account of God in creation. In Genesis 1 and 2, we find all the care and the time God took to make the world. And, you, you know, you look out the window and you say, wow, he really did take a lot of time and care. But you also find in Genesis 2, he, he took the time to rest. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh days, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. It's interesting because in Psalm 121, you find that God does not sleep. It says God does not sleep. He does not slumber. Basically, there's no time at which God is drowsy or he just takes a little nap. You know, isn't that a good thing? Because you think of all the, the, the time zones in the world. What if God was sleeping on the shift when you were praying for something? God, how come? I fell asleep. Do you imagine that conversation? But you're God. I get tired. No, God doesn't get tired. He has no part of which he, he's a little more drowsy. He's not a morning person or evening person. God is always awake and alert completely. Because he knows exactly what's going on at all times. So what he's doing is he is modeling to us the importance of rest. This is for our own benefit. And that's pretty amazing. The, the God of the world who has all the energy he needs to do whatever he wants at any time decided, you know, these people are kind of sheep. They may not get it. So I'll actually rest so they can see what I did. That's pretty amazing. You know, as a kid, I just thought, wow, he worked really hard. He just needed a break. No. He knew that we weren't going to get it unless he showed us. So he took a step back. And the key idea here, which we can't miss, is by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. See, what tends to happen is we get so busy and so wrapped up with the amount of time, the lack of time that we have, that we just want to bail. You ever, you ever gotten to that point? You just want to forget everything that you have in front of you. And there's that, that part that we just play the scenario I once had a job right out of college. I was doing telephone sales, and I had to be on the phone like three hours a day, and it was rough. And I, I got to admit, I had images of just hanging up the phone, grabbing my jacket. Nice knowing you. <laughs> you know, there's this part of this like that's, that feels good. Just this is too much. I just want to, I just want to bail. Then I'd always picture the next part of this scene in my head, where like get in the car, and then I get home, and my wife wants to know why I got home early. I quit. What's for dinner? We have no money for dinner. That was the thing that I always played on. I realized, you know what? I need to stay in this. And that's what God showed. Is, is he, he had the task of creating the world. He finished it and then he rested. So what we're talking about rest and relaxation, it can't mean at the expense of what we have going on currently. See, God wants us to endure. But in the midst of enduring, he gives us refreshment. See, just like sheep, sheep can't be led to the, to the water and can't be led to the green pasture unless they're willing to walk. Okay? It's the same in our life. In the midst of us walking through our responsibilities and all that we've been given, God gives us the refreshment. 
the E of relax. We need to evaluate my choices. This is a good passage in Ephesians 5. Paul is talking about how to manage ourselves, how to manage our time. He says, therefore, be careful how you walk. Basically, be careful how you live. Um, Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This idea of uh, time, there's, there's two choices you can make with, with your time. You can either be wise or you can be unwise. The idea in the beginning of the passage, there, therefore be careful how you walk. It comes from the original language in the Greek is talking about like a tightrope walker is careful how they walk. You ever view your time like that? You know, I've got to make sure I'm doing exactly what I should be doing or I'm going to fall. I, I know I don't. I just, well, you know, I'll get up, go to work. I guess I'll do stuff. What the scripture is saying is your time is limited, not only in the day, but on this earth. And you have to approach your time. Like you care about every little window of time that you have, just like a tightrope walker. They can't they don't have much give. They've got to walk across. And the reason is because the days are evil. Basically, the days are evil. Part of that just means because we're running out of time. When sin entered the world, it's just it's broken. The days are evil, and so we have to make sure we're maximizing the time that we've been given. There's a few ways you can take inventory of your time. If you want to know, well, am I spending my time the way I should? Uh, part of the ways you can evaluate your choices is, is ask yourself, what are... What are your priorities? What are your priorities in your life? What you do with your time? Do they match the priorities in Scripture? And the only way you can know that is you have to read the Scripture and find out what's important to God. When Jesus came to the earth, what was important to him? And what you need to do is you begin asking, does this match up? Do the priorities I have in my life match up with what Scripture says? That's one way you can evaluate your choices. Uh, second is... Does your schedule correctly portray the priorities that you have? See, our time is only as effective as if this is really what's important to us and this is how we spend our time. If those match, then we're actually making the most out of our time. What this doesn't mean is, well, I'll just drop everything and just do what God wants me to do. No, in the responsibilities we have, whether it's in our work, in our relationships, in our families, in our friendship, are we approaching those relationships and the way that we deal with people and schedule our lives around what's important? Another good question to evaluate choices is, have you started saying no to things that are really important because you've had to say yes to things that aren't so important? See, another thing with time is for every yes that you say, you're saying no to things. The issue is sometimes you don't know what those no's are. There's situations where you may say yes, 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 and your whole day is packed. And then something unexpected comes. Somebody is in a real pinch in their life. And they come to you. And you ever just found yourself, well, if I would have known. And the person's like, well, my car broke down. Well, if you would have told me, it, it just broke down on the way to work. You knew. It's inconvenient. Life is inconvenient. People's problems are inconvenient. The issues that we have, they never come on a timely fashion. And part of this is that's how God tells time. 
So we tell time, what are we going to do from 8 in the morning till 12, then from 12 to 6, and we have this, this idea of time. Well, God tells time, in Ephesians 5, says making the most of every opportunity. That's how God tells time. Not from minute to minute, but opportunity to opportunity. So when we schedule and make choices about what we're going to do with our time, what we're going to do with our life, we have to realize that there are opportunities that we need to be available for. Opportunities to help people, to spend time with people. Opportunities that that you may not even know exist. So we have to be aware of what of all the things that I've said yes to, and because of that, what am I saying no to? Um, And on that, how available are you for the unexpected? So that's, that's some ways you can evaluate your choices. The L is to limit my labor. I won't just stop there because when we, we, we hear that, we're like, yes, vacation time. God wants me to go to Tahiti. Let's read the Bible. Exodus 20 says, six days and you shall labor and do all your work. Okay, that's very important. We can't miss that. Basically, God's saying is you're doing all that you should do, all that you've been given to do, all that's been asked of you. Basically, you're being faithful and responsible. Then he says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Sabbath, if you've heard that word before, it basically just means rest. So God is saying you need to take a day of rest. In uh, Mark 2, Jesus talked about Sabbath. What, what happened is the Sabbath, uh, keep the Sabbath day holy, is actually one of the Ten Commandments. You've heard of the Ten Commandments. There are ten really important laws that God gave the people of Israel. And the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath holy, the rest day holy, was one of them. Well, what was happening when Jesus came... And he was hanging out with people. There was all this talk about how the Sabbath, the law, and it was legalistic. And there were all sorts of rules upon rules upon rules which man had created. Where, you know, you can only walk a certain amount of distance. You can only wear a certain amount of thing on the Sabbath. And you have to make sure your sandal was, like, tucked to the right or you're breaking the Sabbath. I mean, stuff like that. Crazy rules. So when Jesus came and he said, you know, the Sabbath is not about the law. The Sabbath is about man. And he's... Jesus went back to the purpose that God had, had stated, basically to refresh his people. In Colossians, we also find, when Paul was talking about freedom, that the Sabbath isn't about a certain day, but it's picking a day where you rest and get the recharge that you need. And I know in my own life, when I've been cranking and cranking and cranking and just doing all sorts of things, if I don't take the time to recharge emotionally, physically, and spiritually, I burn out. And there, there's something in us that we think taking a break is bad. I'm here to tell you, if God did it, it's not bad. He did it to show us that we need to do it as well. So we need to limit your labor. We, I, I talked about this earlier. Part of what you can do when you rest is you want to rest your body. Have you ever noticed that you usually get sick in the most stressful times in your life? The times when you can't be sick because you've got so much stuff going on, you start getting sick. 
What that is, is our body is responding to the stress. So when we rest, we rest our body, it prevents burnout. It prevents sickness. Uh, we also need to recharge your emotions. If you're an introvert, this may mean you will not see anybody for a few hours. You will get alone to recharge. If you're an extrovert and you're in the midst of doing tasks, it may mean, okay, I've got to stop this task and I've got to get with people. And you need to recharge your emotions. And third, part of limiting your labor could be to refocus your spirit. You know, that's, that's part of how we, we worship here at, at Church in the Valley. When churches come together and they sing songs, part of what is happening is, is our spirit should be refreshed. When we sing these songs about God and who He is, it's a reminder of our place. It's a reminder that God is God who will take care of us. So that's a very important part, is worship. That could happen by singing. That could happen by praying. It's very important to refocus our spirit. We're going to talk a little bit about that later. Uh, the last is, or not the last, second to the last, is adjust my values. Another way to relax is to adjust my values. Ecclesiastes 4, 4 through 6 says, I have seen that every labor and every skill which is done is the result of rivalry between a man and his neighbor. This to his vanity and striving after the wind. The fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. One handful of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after the wind. This is an interesting passage. The person who wrote this is Solomon. Solomon, when he wrote this, was kind of going through a midlife crisis. And you hear statements like, life is like chasing after the wind, period. Have a good day. Life is meaningless, period. Have a good day. And you read Ecclesiastes and it's like, man, he, he was kind of depressed. What's happening is, he, he was the wisest man who lived, and he was seeing the world and everything in it. And in this midlife crisis, he was making statements about what we're like as humans. In, in essence, he's describing why we're sometimes called sheep. And in this verse, he's saying that so much that we do and spend time doing, whether that's our work, whether it's our relationships, it's fueled by rivalry between a man and his neighbor. Basically, we, we're always wanting to just make sure we're keeping up with the Joneses. We're, we're making sure we have the status that we should have, the job that we should have. We're making enough money to be okay. And he's basically saying people are doing this and they're driven not out of to do right, but out of just to make sure they're keeping up with what they should be keeping up with. Status, symbol, material. Then he describes the fool folds his hand and consumes his own flesh. Isn't that interesting? He's t- talking about you're striving, you're striving. People are just wanting to make sure that they're okay in front of people. They're people pleasing. Then he goes on to describe the opposite view of how you spend your time. The fool folds his hand and consumes his own flesh. That's kind of what I call Eeyore complex. You ever watch Winnie the Pooh? You know, you're, you're going after something and then, I guess it's not worth it. That was a waste of my time. You ever done that? You're, you're cranking, you're cranking. The way you thought something was going to turn out, it didn't. Or the way you thought somebody was going to react to what you're doing, they didn't react that way. And you just, you fold your hands. And it's like, what he's describing here is just, oh, well, that was a complete waste of time. Never do that again. But that's what happens. We have the wrong perspective and the wrong idea of why we do what we do. Whether that's to get status, 
or even to get our own way. That's not how we should be spending our time. And that's what, what uh, Solomon is, is writing. And then he says, one hand full of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after the wind. He's saying, if you have half as much, but you're actually not a chicken with your head cut off, your life is better. But you know what? You see those chickens running around, you think, I've got to run too. Chop my head off. All right, let's go. And that's what we face. In this country especially, you just see people. Crank, 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 crank. I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do. Because doing means status. Doing means I'm doing something. And what Solomon's saying is, is you know what? That's not what it's about. The motivation is, is wrong. Um, the last is, the way we can relax is to exchange my pressure for God's peace. You know, we can never think of an X word. So exchange is always, just, just throw that out there, always a secret. You can't think of an X word? Exchange. Just fit that in the sentence somehow. Exchange my pressure for God's peace. Um, the pressure comes from different ways that we kind of talked about earlier. You know, physical fatigue, that stresses us out. When we're busy, we, we physically get tired. Emotional fatigue. When we're physically tired, you know, you, you take some rest, you, you sleep it off, your muscles get more energy. Uh, when you're emotionally fatigued, maybe you get time with people, maybe you need time alone, you're better. Uh, spiritual fatigue is the hardest to recover from. This fatigue is when you're disconnected from God. You know, you've been going your own way and doing your own thing for a while. And before you realize it, you haven't prayed in a long time. And you haven't read the Bible in a couple weeks. And something happens in your life where you need the right perspective and you, you just don't have it. And so what we find is, is in the scriptures, when he's talking about leading the, the sheep to the pasture and leading them to the waters that are quiet for refreshment, it's not even the goal was not to get them there. The goal was they were led by the sheep. I'm sorry, led by the shepherd. And that's what God wants to do is in the midst of the busyness of our life, all the things that we have, whether they're important or they're not. He wants to connect to us. And what we find is, is in my own life, I realize, you know, I really need to reconnect to God. But then it's interesting because then I spend my day thinking, well, I'm too busy. But the very thing that I'm too busy for is the thing that helps me deal with the stress the most. God wants to be involved in the midst of all that we have going on in the turmoil and the busyness. Uh, Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says, uh, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, Jesus spoke this statement. He was in a time, just like we are today, where people are trying to figure out, how do I cope with my life, with my stress, with all the things that I have to do? And Jesus responded basically by saying, come to me. Connect to me. Don't forget about me. See, you can take care of your, your stress emotionally and physically, but unless you deal with your stress spiritually and bring God into the mix, we can't cope. 
we can't move forward. Uh, the message is a paraphrase of the Bible. And I thought this had a, an interesting take on this passage. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's what Jesus is saying. I will take what you have, and I'll show you how to deal with it. I'll show you how to make better use of your time, how to choose the right priorities. But it starts with that relationship. So I encourage you, in the midst of how you deal with your stress, focus first on spiritually how to connect with God. If you need help with that, you can let us know on your connection card, and we'd love to to help you. There's some next steps that you can take as well. Uh, This is just one way to make a an application from this message. If, if you're stressed and you're, you're busy, I encourage you to take one of these. First is, I'll memorize Psalm 23.2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. You can memorize that and that could be a prayer. God, I need a pastor right now. I am thirsty and I need the quiet waters. Uh, second, I will take inventory of how I spend my time. If you've never done that, I encourage you. Because a lot of times what happens is we, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy, but we don't really know why. So this step is to figure out why are you busy. You take an inventory. Look at what you do with your time the whole day, the whole night. Third, I'll ask God to show me ways I'm not using my time wisely. So as you take an inventory, is there anything on here that's causing real busyness in your life that, that isn't necessary? Um, so check that out. Last is, I'll ask God for refreshment in the midst of my business. Let's pray together. God, you, uh, you are really the, the busiest person that has ever lived. And in Jesus, he did more in three years than we could hope to do in our life. And even now, you know exactly what's going on with every single one of us. In the whole entire world. You know where the stars are aligned in the universe and where all the planets are and you keep track of everything, but yet you have time for us. So even in the midst of how you've created the world, you've shown us what's important. Thank you that you really are the model of how to approach life from opportunity to opportunity. Um, Help us to see the opportunities around us. And God, show us just the things that we are just moving toward that that may be just spinning our wheels. Just give us the ability to see our schedule clearly. And also, the willingness to just change the things that, that really aren't going after the priorities that we need to go after. So we just pray this week for your help. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.